your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday. I was like, I almost forgot what day it was. <laughs> what day is it today? I forget. When you're doing two a days, yeah. it's almost uh, double double time. It all blurs together. That's UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. Happy Friday, Rick, and happy Irish Fest weekend. Irish Fest weekend where we were going through the rundown. I talked to Pat Stevens yesterday on Lacrosse Talk AM, or just Lacrosse Talk, but uh, mm-hmm. Pat Stevens, the founder of Irish Fest, 18th year of this thing. Founded in a back, uh, founded on the back porch of somebody's house, drinking some Guinnesses. He said, that "Sounds about right." And uh, and then you and I were looking at because you're like, I don't know, I'm not going to Irish Fest. I'm like, you sure? Look at this. There's a mashed potato eating contest. <laughs> so that's definitely on the docket. Talking about mashed potato eating contest. Um, one thing we will des- discuss with the political science expert: the politics of. <laughs> You know, you know when and when it's all said and done, mashed potatoes are eaten, and somebody's declared a winner. Mm-hmm. Is he really the winner? That's <laughs> what I got to deal with all all week in the morning. The and maybe we can get in get into the uh, the election was stolen talk. I mean, sometimes sure. it's four years later. We got to be we got to be over it, right? Like it's 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 really ingrained in some people's heads. It's uh, the, well, at least like three people's heads in the morning when they text the show uh, and talk to me about how Hunter Hunter, how Joe Biden stole the election or the election was stolen for Joe Biden. And I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about Irish Fest and Joe Biden stole the election. Like yeah. it's four years ago, man. Rick, three years ago. On that topic earlier this week, Ron DeSantis, of course, the second place contender right now in the Republican field and the Florida governor who has seen his standing drop quite a bit in the polls since he entered the race. He said in an interview with NBC News, of course he lost. Now, referring to Donald Trump, he said Joe Biden's the president. And that caused a stir because there are Republican voters who believe that the 2020 election was stolen. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis has maybe been a bit evasive on that question. But then this week, he just came out bluntly and said, nope, Joe Biden won fair and square. We, we live in a, a society or a world where you can say whatever you want and you can just point to something and just have the excuse that it that. So Ron DeSantis is part of the deep state. He's lying. They've got him. He's part of the system now. He's going after Trump. Of course, he's going to say that. He's going to lie. So, I mean, it's just that the, the, the excuses are the easiest thing to, to make because you can either point to a fake news article or you could just say deep state. Yeah, I mean, to that point, the Trump campaign accused Ron DeSantis of being Joe Biden's cheerleader, going along with maybe the press or. Uh, Why did you use the word cheerleader? Well, that's the term that the Trump campaign used. Oh, they okay. referred to Ron DeSantis as Joe Biden's we've, cheerleader. We've dumbed down deep state to Joe Biden's cheerleader. Is that what we've done? Uh, I we think just that's that? what they're getting at. Yeah, that's what they're getting at. That if you go along with the idea that Joe Biden was elected fair and square, then that makes Ron DeSantis Joe Biden's cheerleader. <laughs> Definitely a sign of the tensions in this campaign right now. The tensions have only escalated. Ron DeSantis continues to fall further and further behind Donald Trump. And so he's changed his campaign tactics quite a bit. It, 
doing some more interviews, for example, with the so-called mainstream media. This was an interview with NBC News. And the reason Ron DeSantis has not been asked these kinds of questions is that traditionally he has just stuck to conservative media doing interviews with Fox News and Newsmax. So now that he's branching out a bit, doing interviews with NBC and ABC and CBS and so forth, he's getting asked some of these questions that he hasn't been asked before and really going on the record about some of these flashpoints in the Republican Party. So that's what we're seeing more and more. We're seeing Ron DeSantis getting asked some questions that he has not been asked before, including, hey, do you think Joe Biden won fair and square? And his answer is yes. He said that the election conspiracy theories have been proven to not be true. So Ron DeSantis is really trying to maybe create some daylight between him and Donald Trump. I mean, DeSantis, in all of Donald Trump's legal struggles, has come to bat for Donald Trump. He's gone to bat for Donald Trump coming to Donald Trump's defense. But the question has been, when is DeSantis going to take the gloves off here and go after Donald Trump? When is any of them, right? Yeah. Are we at this point? Well, I mean, there's a debate in what, a week or 12 days, 12 days, August 23rd, Milwaukee. So this isn't irrelevant to talk about because a lot of times I want to avoid this stuff. But when Milwaukee hosts the first presidential debate, it's kind of relevant. But also, like, do you think what, what would you say in like six months? I'm trying to think of when the primary vote would happen. Do you know? Off top yeah. Of so the Iowa caucuses are in January and then it kind of goes from there. OK. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't all happen at once. Mm-hmm. That's right. We kind of roll around the country and do that. Um, do you think DeSantis will even be part of the conversation by then? Because uh, I'm it really. Yeah. I'm really starting to wonder about that because DeSantis' campaign has not gone well at all. He had to lay off a third of his staff. There are real questions about the financial sustainability well, of his campaign. He had to campaign. lay them off. Yeah. Oh, I thought he fired them because they weren't doing a good job. Yeah, partly, that was he, another. You know, he's done this twice, right? He's kind of like revamped his staff. There's a big scandal where there was a video produced by his campaign or secretly produced by his campaign or whatever the case might be, contained some Nazi imagery. And so that person obviously got oh, fired. Right. Yep. But in due to the financial problems facing the campaign, a third of the, the DeSantis staff was laid off. And real questions right now about the financial situation for the DeSantis campaign. A lot of questions about strategy, too, like if DeSantis well, is connecting with voters. Well, this is my gripe, too, and that's not part of it. But if the other candidates aren't going to attack Trump, like Trump and Trump doesn't even have to attack the other candidates. He could just ignore him, although he kind of does a little bit. Um, and we can get into whether or not is Trump going to go to the debate and whether he should mm-hmm. or not. This is kind of like when the Wisconsin Democrats were running for Senate. Mandela Barnes, um, Sarah Godlewski, um, Adam Murphy, uh, who's Alex Lazary. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't attack each other. Yeah. I feel like you got to attack each other. I mean, you could do it legit or you could culture war it. But like you kind of got to go after each other's policies a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, Rick. And that's why for many months now, the question has been, look, when is Ron DeSantis going to go after Donald Trump? Because if you just defend the guy, then how on earth are you going to catch up to him in the polls? And, well, the answer is you won't catch up to him because DeSantis has seen his support really crumble over the past several months. And, you know, there's still time for him to turn things around, but time is starting to run out. I mean, this debate 
on August 23rd at the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. That is a pivotal moment in this campaign because as DeSantis continues to fall behind, as Trump continues to extend his lead in the Republican field, the other candidates are running out of time. They're running out of money and running out of opportunities to change the course of this campaign. So this debate could decide if DeSantis can even stay in the race, I think. This debate could decide if other candidates can stay in the race. I mean, we go back to 2016. Scott Walker had an underwhelming debate. After that debate, he dropped out of the campaign. He dropped out before anyone even started voting. Mike Pence needs to drop out after his gas station television ad. Did you see that? <laughs> him did. filling up his truck? I did. Yeah, nothing worse than an obviously staged politician well, video. And it just gets into that. And I, you know, I don't know. Like, it just gets into that. You guys don't know how things like regular people exist. Mm-hmm. When Donald Trump says you need an ID to go grocery shopping, like what? Or the the arrested development what could a banana cost ten dollars <laughs> this is mike pence going to a gas a gas an ad where he's going to complain about gas prices pulls up in his truck gets out puts the pump into the side of the truck obviously to fill it up with, it starts filling it up with gas didn't put a credit card in didn't flip the lever and the gas the gas pump is beeping at him the whole time while he's pumping it's just ridiculous all right before we go to break eric from Sparta's is waiting go ahead eric it was nice. Uh, listen to the morning show when he had Jim called, and he had some anonymous somebody. I think it's your buddy, and he paid us a little bitty afterwards, Rick. You- All right. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, we're gonna go to break. Don't need to talk about the seven twenty open phones from twelve <laughs> hours ago that nobody heard. So we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. That's PM. I almost did it where it was AM. <laughs> Whole week of doing the show in the morning and then the afternoon. We're UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Jagoski is in here. I I I messaged you that deep dive. Yes, but that all kind of has that all kind of plays out into some of these stories that we're seeing. Yep. In terms of, I guess not even not even just Wisconsin politics, but politics in general, and we might as well do this with the political science professor in here. Um, so I guess this story with, with uh, Shimming, right? Mm-hmm. Is that Brian Shimming? Who is, who's Brian Shimming? He's the chair of the Wisconsin yeah, the, GOP. So there's a story, kind of a bio about him. And, yeah. And, and yeah. then like, what do Republicans want, you know? And he's, and, and then there's a, there's a, we have a candidate going against Tammy Baldwin. Yep. Who's rather young when it comes to Senate candidates, right? Senators are sixty-one years old, I think, is the average or, mi- or minimum age almost. Yeah. So, and and uh, Tammy Baldwin's not that young, I don't believe either. Mm-hmm. She's pretty far up there. So this woman is. A, when, if you just want to say she's a college student, you're like, whoa. But she's also a forty-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a. I think she's a mother. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and she's an immigrant, and she. I think this is her first year eligible to be able to run for office. Mm, yeah. Um. But, like, what appeals to Republicans? When you're a politician, what what I represent, what I'm going to bring to the table as somebody you're going to elect, what appeals to you that you would vote for me? Republicans seem to me to be getting this all wrong. And then they're, and they have this, there's a very big divide, I think, amongst Republican, young Republicans or young people that maybe don't have an affinity to either party at this point, and you can convince them one way or the other, you, like your indoctrination at UWL. Um, 
and then old Republicans who are Republican. Well, I'm old and I'm a Republican, and that's what Eric from Sparta. He's it doesn't matter. Like you, like Democrats could pass every uh, piece of legislation that would benefit Eric from Sparta for the rest of his life, and he could turn into a billionaire. But thanks to Democratic policies, he's going to be a Republican. It's never going to change. Um, you know, old uh, military veteran, and but young Republicans. You could turn them into Republicans if you maybe talk to them in a way that like entices them to vote for you. But what what get what do young Republicans you know? But there's this huge divide. Democrats, I feel like, I feel. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Democrats, old Democrats and young Democrats, they're all kind of like save the environment, um, get rid of plastic waste, uh, pro choice. Uh, the the messaging is all the same kind of through and through. But I don't know. Is that that is that a big problem for republicans or is that not a thing i i think i think you know rick to that you know where i'm coming from i i do it's like what issues do you focus on and what are your positions on those issues and how do you portray your party to young voters because we just saw this flip uh two weeks ago early voting we we've been talking about as a republican it's it doesn't work it's fraud don't do it you can't trust it and then two weeks ago, they said they didn't call it early early voting, which is super funny. Don't early vote. Bank the vote. You need to bank your vote. And I don't think at any point in any time with the press release that because it just goes out. You're a Republican. Here's your here's your tagline. This is what you need to say. Don't say early voting. Say bank the vote. But that means go vote early. It's the way we the only way we can compete in elections if you all vote early, too. Um, so that was the I think that's the start of this, like trickling the trickle down politiconomics of this thing is, uh, you know, we got to change the messaging. on Yeah, like the idea that, look, early voting is a way that we, the Republican Party, if we're just speaking from their possession position, that we want to try to win elections, that we view the lack of early voting as a problem for the party. And so we need to get our voters to vote early. We need to change the branding as a result. So there, you're kind of changing the public relations strategy almost as a way to try to get right. people to change their attitude towards well, something. And a lot of these issues that even Wisconsin politics that we're arguing, debating about, holding a special session for, don't seem to be political issues to me. So why are we taking a political side if you just took the side of the thing that should be we should be doing? You wouldn't be able. You wouldn't be able to divide in. Like there wouldn't be an argument between Democrats and Republicans. So childcare funding. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should. We maybe we should fund childcare. If you all got on the same side of that, nobody gets to win. So then pick a new issue that, you know, actually is an issue that Democrats and Republicans could argue about. Right. It's like, are you motivated by a certain public policy outcome? Are you motivated because you want to do something for the people? Or are you motivated by the desire to win the next election, which might mean not cooperating with the Democratic Party or the Republican Party? I mean, if you're the Republicans, do you do something that could give the Democrats a win and vice versa. I mean, that's the dance in politics. You want to get certain public policies passed, but you also want to keep the credit for yourself. I mean, if you cooperate with the other side, are you giving away the public relations win to the other side? Marijuana is probably the easiest one here to just be like everyone. Nobody cares about marijuana anymore. Just legalize it. 
if Wisconsin did that, is it a big win for Governor Evers then? And that's why we don't even talk about it. It, it might be one of the concerns among Republicans. We're three years away from the Evers next. Even if he, he might not even run, you know, so just well, do the thing that's popular. Or giving the Democrats a win in advance of the 2024 midterm elections, where there are bound to be many pivotal races in the state legislature. In fact, the, the entire Senate might be up for, yeah, uh, along with based the, the on Yeah, based on the lawsuit over gerrymandering, a really interesting aspect of that lawsuit that calls for all state Senate seats to be up for election in 2024. Now, typically, half of the state Senate seats are up in each election, so it just alternates which half is up in a particular election. So this would be a game changer if the demands or the requests, if you will, of this lawsuit are granted by the judges, presumably on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. I mean, just on that topic, the four liberal justices on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court have made some pretty clear moves aimed at speeding up the process for the redistricting lawsuit for the absentee ballot drop box lost other things but if all republican senators because they have a super majority there in the senate in wisconsin and they almost have a super majority in the assembly Mm -hmm. there are more republicans in the wisconsin legislature if they passed marijuana legalize it recreationally whatever wouldn't they be better to benefit in the next election yeah so this is one way of thinking about how the political strategy might play out what if the republicans say to themselves look the wisconsin state supreme court is likely to redraw the district maps or order a redrawing of the district maps what do we need to do to prepare ourselves for a competitive election maybe i a random member of the Wisconsin state legislature have not faced the competitive election, but I might if the district maps get redrawn in a particular way. What can I do to set myself up for winning a competitive election? I mean, one way might be to change my positions on certain popular issues, hot button issues like marijuana legalization to show, hey, I am a moderate. I am someone who can work with the other side. That's funny because you bring up. Oh, yeah, they would be. Some of the elections would be competitive. (laughs) I I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking, like, take these non-political issues that shouldn't be divided between Republicans and Democrats and just get on the side and just pass, pass whatever. But I, I don't know. It's, it's very confusing. Like funding public schools is why is that? You know, like, it's just funny that that would be a political issue in Wisconsin. It becomes an interesting political issue because of the role of school vouchers in this state. Wisconsin has a long history with school vouchers, a major school voucher program. And so the politics of public school education are a bit different in Wisconsin compared to other states. But if we just help fund public schools, that's that's bad <laughs> kind of the, you know, the, <laughs> big, so the big question rick is always you know in politics who are the winners who are the losers so if you give public schools more funding does that mean private schools are the losers if you bump up vouchers does that mean public schools are the losers it creates this interesting political dynamic between the private schools on the one hand the public schools on the other hand a dynamic that just frankly is not the case in other states that don't have such a well-established voucher program or don't have as many students in private schools as Wisconsin does. But you got you got a lot of young voters. Mm-hmm. Do they? Do, this can't be a thing for them. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all about, you know, what are the issues that are important to young voters and how do you as a party go to them and say, hey, we share your values? Because that's my theory is the old voters are the old Republican voters are Republican voters. They're not going to not vote for you as a Republican. Correct. So you need to have some policies that are going to entice young voters to go Republican and vote for you. And therefore, then the old Republicans would be like, oh, we're funding child care now? Well, okay. And Rick, I mean, strategically, as we play this out, for example, with marijuana, if Republicans came over to Governor Evers' side on marijuana, the question is, how much would that offend the hardcore Republican base? And secondly, how much would that help attract new voters to the Republican side, particularly young voters? But what, what would the old Republican base do? You know, they might try to oust someone in a primary election, but realistically, I don't know that that would happen. I mean, what are the deal breakers for the Republican base? I well, mean, that's, that's the question. At and the that's end of what the I get. And that's why I grab like public school funding, child care, trying to grab these and issues I, that shouldn't be. Put and I, I mean, if Republicans, for example, voted on approving medical marijuana, yeah, who is going to try to boot someone out of office based on that. I mean, just the public opinion data is overwhelmingly positive. I on feel that like issue. even I feel like if you just go baby step at the medical marijuana, that's still going to turn off young voters. They're going to go, really? Like you like really you medical know, marijuana? That's all you could do might be a good example, Rick, of Republicans potentially having boxed themselves in a little bit. You know, maybe if Republicans had moved a bit in the pro legalization direction, a bit sooner, then they could say, hey, you know, we're open to medical marijuana. Maybe let's take the next step towards broader legalization. But right now, Republicans in Wisconsin are still very much opposed to any type of marijuana legalization. It means that the state of Wisconsin is an outlier compared to other states. I mean, we are surrounded by states, literally, that have some form of marijuana legalization. Wisconsin remains and apart from the apart from most other states and an entire country yeah i mean <laughs> really really wisconsin is becoming more and more isolated on the issue of marijuana all right jeff's tried to call a couple times and i'm sorry jeff go ahead you're on the air go, you got a question you know the thing that bothers me is the republicans seem to go after social issues and versus you know like the economy biden is doing a fantastic job with bringing bringing jobs back and the, everything is on the up and up. I just, uh, that's the thing that bothers me the most. And I just want to hear your response. Yeah, definitely. Is Jeff talking maybe like culture war stuff when it comes to social issues? Yeah. It's very interesting. Jeff brings that up because in that Milwaukee journal Sentinel profile of Brian Shimming, the Republican party chair here in Wisconsin, there was a quote from the college Republicans chair at UW Milwaukee, who said, hey, I think maybe the left has overstepped on social issues. So perhaps if Republicans portrayed themselves as the moderates on social issues, then maybe that could attract young people. But what's a social issue like gender identity or sexual orientation or abortion or those culture war type issues? Um, I was just thinking, too, like young, younger 
potential Republicans are probably sick of the word woke and fighting. And Ron DeSantis will say woke 40 times in a two minute clip. And it's just like, all right, dude, like we we're we're over it. You know, a big question, Rick, when it comes to the DeSantis campaign, does this show and there are people really asking this question at this point. Does this show that the Republican base maybe is not super interested in these cultural issues. I don't deny that these cultural issues like gender identity and, and sexual orientation and abortion, of course they matter to people. But Ron DeSantis is someone who we frequently look at as having gone all in on these cultural and social issues. And just look at the numbers. The numbers don't lie. His poll numbers have gone down significantly over the past several months. It's probably a sign that voters want a broad broad set of issues from their camp candidates that it's not enough to just focus entirely on cultural or social issues. You have to have an economic message. You have to have a national security message. You have to have a full complement of messages in order to win a competitive campaign. So I think Ron DeSantis has maybe misstepped by going all in on those social and cultural issues, maybe, maybe coming across as someone who is really limited in his emphasis. Did you think we were going to get this deep on a Friday when I didn't? Get, <laughs> yeah. I haven't got any sleep. We or, were supposed to talk about the mashed potato eating contest. And Culver's, for sake. Culver's delivery. Fees. And Culver's okay. delivery. Is it is it relevant to talk about whether I'm going to go to break? But is it relevant to talk about Donald Trump being part of not or not part of this debate? Because it's 12 days away, so you're here in a week. Mm-hmm. But will that be decided by then? No, so the RNC has said that they need 48 hours notice. Okay, before... so we can talk about that next week, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm just, I'm done with, like, I'm done with this national presidential. I'm, we're going to move on when we come back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line, UW Lacrosse. Political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski in the studio, as he is most Fridays. And uh, just we went to a, a deep dive on a Friday. This is why I say sometimes I just maybe should have you on on a Monday when everyone's kind of in more of a business mode and can can like absorb this stuff a little mm, bit better. Because yeah. on a Friday, like really, Rick, it's Irish Fest. Right, should we just talk about mashed potatoes, Rick? There, there's a mashed potato eating contest at Irish Fest this weekend. I'm thinking uh, it's it's maybe my favorite food. We often around Thanksgiving talk about like what's the best thing on the Thanksgiving day table and for you it's the the the, the fluff the green fluff what is it pistachio pistachio fluff it's called different things and then for me it's mashed potatoes i feel like i could so the mashed potato contest i got the the rundown from pat stevens it's five scoops okay and it's how whoever eats the five scoops the fastest there's no butter there's nothing there's not you know there's no condiments on it plain mashed potatoes um so instead of it being like you get a minute how much mashed potatoes you could eat because in my head that was like like a hot dog eating contest like how many hot dogs can you eat in a this is different it's five scoops I, you know it's a little bit more uh saves potatoes a little bit and maybe your stomach but you were reading some of the regu- there's regulations on this. I thing. love the rules and regulations for the mashed potato eating contest 
only the spoons provided can be used. Which makes complete sense because if you came to the mashed potato eating contest with a huge spoon, you would have a huge advantage over the competitors. So good thinking on their part to only provide a standard size of spoon to the contestants in the potato eating contest. You, do you think a bigger spoon would help you? I, I think it would. You have because, to use a spoon. You know, if you have, you know, if you can. If you can really make good use of a large spoon, I think you could really go to town on these mashed potatoes. Can I just grab it with my hand? Or also, you can't use your hands is the other part of it. It's in there. Because if you used your hands, you wouldn't get all the potato. A spoon gives you the ability to get all the potato because you got to lick the spoon clean, so to speak. Okay. If you use your hands, the potato would get in between your fingers. You know, I often eat mashed potatoes with my hands. I know how this works. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you look at me like, yeah, you're right, Rick. Um, no, I don't often do that. The reason I took you seriously for a moment is that my daughter eats everything with her hands. And so now I just assume that that's a normal thing to do. <laughs> yeah, mashed potatoes with your hands. Totally normal. It's weird. It's not weird at the solemn Thanksgiving dinner when I'm just. <laughs> okay, so it's spoon regulation. There's that. Uh, it's five scoops. There's no condiments. But there's also a judge. There is a then- judge. There's two not they're not judges. There's spotters. There's spotters. They are referred to as spotters. When you're lifting weights and you're on the squat rack and maybe you put the 500 pounds on, you got to have two spotters on each side to get the bar. If the bar doesn't get down, what are the spotters doing? Are they lifting the spoon into your (laughs) mouth? If you can't, I can't get this fifth scoop into my spotter. I need it. I can't get the fifth scoop. So I, I want to know two things. I want to know what does a spotter at the mashed potato eating contest do? Like what is their role? Yes. And secondly, I want to know how do you become a spotter for the mashed potato eating? Like is there an application process? Do you have to inter- interview for the position? Do they check your references maybe? Like how do you become a spotter for the mashed potato eating contest? Is is, is the spotter also like just in case the judge – like can't make it, and you, you just—we need the spotter here. Yeah, not to mention, how do you become the judge for the mashed potato eating contest? I'm just worried that the judge could be bought. <laughs> Can we buy? I mean, in these contests, you know, a lot at stake, and somebody's gonna slip him a hey, judge, a little handshake, a little twenty dollar bill. No, we we cannot tolerate corruption in the mashed potato eating contest. But also, what is the what is the judge? Is he judging, like, how well I eat mashed potatoes? <laughs> yeah, like, what are the skills that you need to be a judge? Like, it's not like he's, at the end of the day, Rick, good job, you get a 10. <laughs> Trigoski, pretty sloppy there, you get a... No, it's whoever wins the contest, whoever eats the five scoops the fastest. I also Do like... we need a judge? There are five age classes for the mashed potato eating contest. How many people enter the mashed potato it contest? Be, it must we be have, quite a few. We have five divisions for mashed potatoes at Irish Fest. <laughs> now, here's what I would say. Now, in addition to the age classes, maybe you have like a minor league mashed potato eating contest. Then you have like the professional. So you kind of work your way up in the rank. They have a five to seven-year-old. 8 to 11-year-old, 12 to 15-year-old, 16 to 18-year-old, and over 18. So, hey, in four years, my daughter will be eligible for the 5 to 7-year-old class of mashed potato eating contest. So, I don't know. Maybe that's in her future. We'll have to see. I'm I'm trying to Google. Like, where does it say when the contest is? I'm looking and I'm looking. It's Saturday at 2 p.m. Oh, there it is. Right at the top. 
near the Bantry area, Saturday, 2 p.m. mashed potato eating contest. So, yeah, five age classes. It'd be way funnier because, okay, five to seven, eight to 11, 12 to 15. I mean, that'd be kind of funny to watch the five to seven-year-olds. But (laughs) there's no way a 19-year-old mashed potato eater is going to be, like, if if my dad and me went at it, at my dad's 72, I think. I mean, is he going to be able to even compete in this thing? I mean, do do we need more? I think we need some more age classes, like young adult, adult, Medicare and, eligible. and Medicare eligible. Yeah, I think so, because a 30-year-old a and a 20-year-old, maybe they could compete, but a 20-year-old <laughs> mashed potato eater and a 75-year-old, uh, although, I don't know, I'm, it's mashed potatoes, man. I feel like a 75-year-old could compete. Hey, Rick, I have seen back on campus the UW lacrosse football players those are some 18 to 22 year olds that could do some damage at this mashed potato eating contest. I think. Uh, speaking of doing damage, Northside Kent's on. <laughs> are you going to head to Irish Fest and maybe you know get on the dance floor? You guys crack me up, but I'll tell you what—they're not just mashed potatoes; they're Irish mashed potatoes. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I, I guess they must grow the potatoes in Ireland. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. But I, thought, I thought you had. You something guys there. are cool. Anyway, Rick, you're, 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 you got a great guest there. I love the doc and his little girl are great. And I'm glad she eats with her hands because they should let that be a bylaw. If you can eat and you're under two with your hands, some mashed potatoes, you go for it. I love it. As, and as long as there's nothing left in the bowl or the plate, you don't care if the kid's got it all over their hair and <laughs> on their face and whatever. Just dig in and get her done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thanks for the call. The two-year-old is exempted from the rules <laughs> and also can partake in any of the five classes. I, I'm still teaching her how to use a spoon. So, yeah, she must be exempted from the rules. Can we just, while we're talking about two-year-olds and, and you're, you have experience with this, the Waukesha... Area alert. So I talked about this a little bit this morning. I got to pull. I sent you the tweet, right? I don't have the tweet in front of me. Waukesha area alerts, like lacrosse area alerts. They listen to the scanner, what's going on. And they sent out a tweet about a Waukesha park. And I read it this morning. I'll let you read the tweet because it's hilariously and just, I don't know. I don't know the other uh, adjectives. Yes. Poop disaster at 701 East Moreland Boulevard, Frame Park. Two PD units responding. Caller reports there were three children wearing just diapers full of poop. They were all over the playground. And now there is poop reportedly everywhere on the playground and in the park. (laughs) (laughs) So three kids. It's only three. I don't know how they count. Like, how did they figure out that there were three toddlers or I don't know what you call them, toddlers. And there there were three of them. And those were the three whose poop, whose, whose diapers were so full of poop, it was overflowing. And then Tchaikovsky <laughs> can't contain himself. And then they were running around the park playground. And the, what what is the poop like shooting out of their diapers? <laughs> What's going on? And what were like, I don't have a toddler like. How how bad do you do you have a two year old right? I no, yeah she's she's, she's one and a half one and a half, and she can walk a little bit. Yep. 
how full has their diapers ever got where it shoots out everywhere on the playground? Yeah, so so every parent has a poop disaster story. Now, the one that we had was at the parking lot of a Dairy Queen in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. So we didn't have great options. How as, is there a Dairy Queen in the middle? Of yeah, it was just off of Highway 52. Just it's only kinda, open in the summer. Yeah, it's one of those. Right, it's one of those places. Yeah, so every parent has one of these stories. And uh, they typically do not involve the police uh, or... So you had Savannah pooped her pants. <laughs> she did. And then it was what? Like, does it shoot out all over the car? What happened? Yeah, it got everywhere. And so we but how? were. How does it get everywhere? You know, the, the, she has a diaper on. The digestive systems and bio, biological features of little kids, they work in mysterious ways, Rick. Does she? Did she have a diaper? She had a diaper on. And it just like seeps out of the so, side? Sometimes it's such a disaster that the okay. diaper cannot contain it. And so not only did we have a disaster on our hands, <laughs> but when we were trying to clean it up, more disaster occurred. Oh, no. <laughs> did you feed her dairy? The, no, wait. The dairy Queen could spot that just shows up. Now. We don't want to do that. All right. We got we to gotta reset. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Trigoski in here telling us about how his daughter pooped all over the car. <laughs> uh, just I can't get over. It. Why are there? Th- this is oh, we've talked about this in the past. You get the story. The last one that I can remember is a lady broke into a oh, sub sandwich. Yes. She broke into a sub sandwich place and stole. <laughs> no, a, she she broke into a restaurant or a, a place that you could make your own salad. And and the police said she stole five five hundred dollars worth of a salad or something. Five hundred dollars salad. Five hundred dollars salad. She she broke into the yes. This is in Georgia. This was a couple months ago. This woman broke into a restaurant, made herself a salad using over five hundred dollars worth of food. Worth of food. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is that? How does that happen? This is where we get the story. We get the police report. And then there will never be a follow-up story, right? Because we need the list of ingredients that were in that salad. Was it lobster tails? Because yeah. how do you get five hundred dollars worth of salad? <clears throat> yeah. So beyond this, and this Waukesha, three babies, diapers so full of poop that it got everywhere and all over the park and all over the playground. And there's a subtweet to the tweet. Did I send you a screenshot or did I send you? The I did tweet? not. There's a subtweet that says, like, 40 minutes later, police have cleaned up the area oh, or something like the, that. And in my police. head, I'm like, this is, this is the problem with our society is we have police doing traffic control and apparently poop cleanup in Waukesha yeah. parks. But, like, are these – like, how did the babies get their diapers so full that they're running – so they have to be running around the playground equipment, poop, like, poop everywhere. And Rick, I will tell you, like, having one child in this situation is a complete disaster. Having three of them in this situation at the same time, I can't even imagine. Well, it feels very coincidental. Like, how do we get three? Are they, like, are the how kids, did that happen? Are the kids related? Yeah. Is it one parent or three parents that are neglecting their children's diaper changing abilities or their abilities to change their kids' diapers? And then, um, like, very coincidental that all three of them would be running around the park to get what the tweet says, poop everywhere. A lot of things had to come together for this to happen. You had to have the three children at the park. You had to have them all with certain things in their diapers at the same time. So it's an extraordinary series of events here. It makes me think that the kids are related because maybe they all ate the same whatever. 
like lunch because you go to the park, you eat some lunch, go play in the playground. They all, had the, and, they all, they all had prunes for and then, lunch. <laughs> and then poop on everything. So, uh, yeah, anyway, 608-785-7914 uh, is the talking text line. Okay, so the the one other food story, because apparently we're a food slash political show when we come here <laughs> we on are. Fridays. But it is fun to talk about because, you know, we can all relate to the food. Um, Culver's is mad at they want regulations on some delivery or what's going on. Yeah, now? there's some delivery apps that are not being helpful to Culver's. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported on a hearing that the Wisconsin State Senate did this week on the issue of delivery apps. Culver's took their complaints to the Wisconsin State Senate saying, look, these apps keep listing our food on their service. People can order Culver's on their app, but we don't want them to be able to order our food on their app because they pick up the food and it's not bent for delivery, right? I mean, you have to prepare food a certain way, package it a certain way. If People get delivery food from Culver's and it ends up soggy and cold. And how does that reflect on Culver's? It does not reflect well on them. Now, Culver's said that they are in negotiations to get into the delivery business with a third-party delivery app. And they just want more regulations on the food delivery business, the restaurant food business, these apps like DoorDash, etc. Culver's is not for delivery. You have to eat Culver's yeah, within I, I like five minutes. Yeah, I just don't think it is. Yeah, I just don't think I, it is. I'm 20 minutes from a Culver's, and by the time I get home, i got to throw it in the air fryer. I get it, like why they're unhappy, because it's just not meant for delivery. All right, that's all the time we have for for today. See you guys at the mashed potato eating contest. <laughs>